What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Start Down. I'm your host, Mike Ficarra, and you're probably asking yourself, what is The Start Down? Well, we all know the startup is a great idea or a business that maybe you're just getting going, but I want to talk about what happens when you get to work, and that's what The Start Down is all about. We're going to bring great guests here for you on the show, people who have had massive success, people who are trying to build businesses, and I'm even going to share with you some of my own experiences. And I always say, this is a little bit like a buffet. Take what you need and leave the rest. So without further ado, let's head to the show. What's going on? Welcome to another exciting episode of The Start Down. I can't thank you enough for tuning in. It has just been an amazing, amazing 2020 so far. I hope you're tearing through this. Or if you're one of those people that are listening on the archive, it's it's early 2020. And we are talking about, you know, sort of the changes that have been coming. You know, I've had a lot of people uh, on lately. We've been talking about some marketers. Uh, and obviously coming off of FETC back here in January, we've been talking to a lot of people from FETC about the changes in education where kind of innovation takes place. And today is no different. I have two people here, uh, Adrian and Nader from Ozabot, and they are really doing something that is just so cool. And you guys know I've talked about before, being a father of four kids and, and having them go through school. It's amazing to see what kids are doing in education. As a former teacher, I, I you know, talking to people like this almost gets me the bug to want to go back and teach. But it, it's just really a neat, neat time. Uh, but guys, no one introduces themselves better than you guys do. So Nader and Adriana, why don't you introduce yourselves to the audience and tell them a little bit about Ozabot and what you guys do. Great, thank you. Thanks for uh, having us. So I'm Nader Hamda, I'm the founder and CEO of Ozobot. Uh, Ozobot is a robotic platform that teaches coding, STEAM education uh, for K to 12. And I am Adrian White, the director of marketing at Ozobot. I come to Ozobot by kind of a winding path where I, in a past life, worked at a contemporary art museum for many years. And in that transition to working in tech, I was really surprised actually to find that the engineers I now work with are every bit as creative as the artists I used to work with. So really happy to be with Ozabot where we embrace coding and creativity together as 21st century skills. Yeah, you know, one of the things and when I found out we we're going to talk, obviously, I was poking around your guys website and looking at, you know, your social media and the lesson you guys create. It amazes me with what what you're doing with this product how it it really takes the idea of like structure and and stability and creativity all in one like you've really done a great job i feel like of, of melding those two worlds how did this whole thing come about though how did you guys see that this is this is the need because i know i've seen a lot of different stem programs we know it's a hot thing right now you know coding and technology how did you guys see to approach this from such a unique perspective well it uh, i would say the it very first started for, you know, you mentioned you have four sons, I have two daughters. So it's usually they are always like the, the hotbed of trying to find solutions for them. And really the introduction of technology has brought on exponential times in all aspects of life. And we have to find ways to continue to help kids to kind of catch up with that and education specifically to continue to kind of introduce technology in ways that are bite-sized friendly for, for kids to understand and to start to understand the implications of tech, um, not just on their smartphones, but on, on everything around them. And so we kept looking at it from that perspective and how can we introduce tech technology in the classroom that is much more enriching. And we thought that robotics was a, a way to kind of continue to elevate the classroom 
similar to what the computer did and the smartphone did. It's not necessarily about the form factor, but it's about the content you can deliver through those devices. Um, so we wanted to make sure that the robot was doing the same thing. It's the content you can deliver through it that can cover STEM, STEAM, but not just them, but all subjects. Mm -hmm. And so that was really at the genesis of us trying to figure out how do we continue to elevate curriculum uh, to incorporate technology in a meaningful way. Yeah, and it's such a great point. You know, it's funny because as I mentioned, you know, in the intro, I've been talking to a lot of people from FVTC that have been at the event. And, and it's funny because the conference obviously was here in Miami as well. And it, I've been going to it since I was a teacher. And to see things that have come in from like smart boards to, you know, that, you know, I remember when smart boards were like everything and then it was like every social platform. And then when iPads came out, it was all these different things. You've seen the trends continually change, but I think you hit on a great point there. It's about the curriculum. Like even some of the people that I've interviewed, I mean, they were doing stuff with Palm Pilots back in the day, you know, and, <laughs> and it was just, you know, finding ways to engage students and use unique curriculum. You know, what are you guys seeing though? Because I know one of the things that we very often hear with technology as teachers and my wife's still in the classroom as well. And, and, you know, is, Hey, we don't have time, right? Like, it's like, Oh no, here's another thing. Here's another thing we bring in. You know, what are you guys hearing from, from teachers though, that when you give them this product in the classroom, how is it something that they're getting excited about? Cause teachers are so overwhelmed nowadays. How, how are you guys engaging your teachers? I think for Ozabot, that comes to having a really accessible, easy entry point. So we're really known in the education space for our two ways to code, with and without screens. And it's that without screens part that's patented, that's really unique to us. It's um, called color codes. So students and teachers can actually start coding just by drawing lines and short sequences of color, um, which you'll see a little bit later in your demo, Mike. So that's something that We've found that it not only makes it easy for really younger students to get started with coding and computer science concepts, but the teachers as well. When we talk to districts, like higher level within the schools, that's one of their bigger concerns that their teachers can implement this new technology really quickly and easily in their classroom. And we find that our color codes help with that. Um, but that's just one of two ways to code. So then we also have Ozo Blockly visual programming. It's built on Google's Blockly, but we actually have different skill levels within those are blockly. So they go from pre-reader for kids who can't even read yet, it's all visual blocks, um, all the way up to master where we're introducing really advanced programming principles like lists and arrays, the stuff I'm personally still learning myself. <laughs> I would say uh, yeah, uh, to kind of layer on that also, uh, one of the main really genesis of this, our, our solution is we don't really solve for the student. We solve for the teacher and the teacher first, because to your, to your point, they are very stressed out with, with technology. They are stressed out that their students might know more about tech than they do. Mm -hmm. And we're very sensitive to that. So anything that we build, we build in collaboration with our teachers. So what we launched at FETC was our, our classroom, it was about classroom, which is our software integrated component that connects to our, our robots. And we've done that in collaboration with over a thousand teachers over the past 18 months, making sure that what we're, what we're delivering to them is something that is bite-sizable, teacher-friendly, because we believe a happy teacher is an engaged classroom. So we definitely solve for them first. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know you guys founded this in, a, in around 2014. You know, what is, what is the reaction you see when you go into a classroom and you put this in, in the teachers and the kids' hands? What do, what do you guys see when you go in and you see them actually using it? Tell me about that excitement that the kids have. You know, I would tell you it is... It is the fuel that keeps myself and the entire team uh, doing this because yeah. um, 
I can tell you so many different stories about just kids just changing from kids that are being dis disruptive are now being cooperative and actually becoming leaders versus kids that are trying to become the jokers of the of the class. We did a we did one experiment or, or one class where we had a school in Korea and a school in California on a webinar, both using Ozobots. And the Korean school had the Ozobots about a month before the US. So the whole idea was that the Korean kids were going to teach the US kids how to use the, the robots. And it was such an enlightening experience to see that it transcends cultures, languages. And these kids in Korea were trying to explain to the US kids how the robots move, how the color codes work, how they can control the robot through through color or, or through codes. Uh, and uh, it was just it was a moment for us to realize that, you know what, there is a we are one world. We are one economy. We are one culture. And there are certain things that can bridge all that for us. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Just to add on to that, it is, I agree, it's one of the most rewarding parts of my job is coming in each day and seeing what students and teachers are actually doing in the classroom um, because they're sharing this stuff on social media with us. And just to give you a couple of examples, because, you know, we talked a little bit about the importance of content and curriculum. We have our core coding curriculum as part of that new Ozobot classroom software tool we unveiled at FBTC. Um, but a lot of our other content actually comes straight from the classrooms, from the teachers using Ozobot out in the wild. And the stuff that they come up with that they're inspired to create is really amazing. A couple of examples, we have a 10th grade English teacher in Pennsylvania who does murder mystery stories with her students using our color codes. So those students write original murder mystery stories and then they do what she calls color code storyboards where the bot is going to travel that storyboard as the protagonist while the students narrate their original writing in front of the class. And that's creative writing component and then they do technical writing afterwards where they break down how they coded those the bot. Another teacher, fifth grade science, actually has her students draw plant and animal cells, much like I did back in the day. But then they're using Ozobots to up the engagement. So they program Ozobots with our Ozobloxly programming language to travel to each element of the cell and label the cells that way. So the stuff that the teachers actually come up with is so amazing. And through Ozobot Classroom, they can actually submit and share those lessons with the community, which we're really excited about. Wow, that's neat. And I know you got, you mentioned two things there that I, that I love to hear. I mean, obviously, you covered coast to coast in the U.S. and then also international. So this is being used all over the world then. You guys are everywhere? We are, uh, we are in 18 countries and in, a, in a meaningful way. We're in about a little over 20 countries, 25 countries right, right now, just getting, uh, getting more and more traction with the Ozobots in the classroom. Our number one goal when we go to different countries is try to understand, you know, what is at a macro level, what is the ministries of education? What are they trying to accomplish? What is the goal of education? Like in, in business, you always have to have the end in mind and you start to build towards it. That's at least how I always look at, at, at business. And I feel like in education, it's the same way. What is the end goal? When we graduate students, what is the goal? So we go into ministries, try to understand that and start to build our lessons, our activities, our curriculum uh, support lessons around that. So we're delivering whether it's global competency, whether it's the UN Sustainable Development Initiatives, whether it's core coding curriculum in the US, continuing to kind of level up curriculum to a global scale is really at the, at the heart of what we want to do here. 
Yeah, and it seemed, you know, like like I mentioned, been interviewing a lot of people who were at FETC. Um, you know, one company originally started in Australia doing classroom furniture. Now they're here. Um, we, we see the international community and, and the world's getting smaller, right? And you mentioned kind of doing the webinar overseas. What's the difference you guys see then? And working in 18 different countries and obviously throughout the United States, we know the diversity. You know, what are the similarities and differences you see then kind of, you know, and I think in the U.S. sometimes we live in our own bubble you know, hear what's going on in the U.S., you know, versus what's going on internationally. What are the similarities and differences you see in the classrooms? Um, so we see, ultimately, you know, when you look at it from a high level, it's very different because there's different languages, different cultures. But when you peel that, that onion, not even too many layers, you start to see that we're all kind of, as you mentioned, the world is very small. And uh, the global competency is becoming a big, big element of how do we, how do we graduate future ready students. And all of us are kind of in that same focus uh, and trying to un understand, you know, when you look at the, the end in mind, the end in mind is to try to get kids future ready and future ready means that they're ready for the jobs of today. We don't really know even what the jobs of tomorrow are going to be because when you look right. at what the the, the high level jobs are today, 10 years ago, they didn't even exist. Yes. So we can't really focus on the jobs. We got to focus on the skill sets of what we are teaching. And when you look at the skill sets, that's where the, the, the similarities are spot on. We all need to kind of focus on the skill sets that we are teaching our kids. And I, we see that that's similarity. It's the STEM, it's the four C's, those things all kind of bubble up. And when you look at the four C's and you look at STEM, it, it, education, you start to kind of understand that our subjects need to continue to not just teach you biology, but teach you biology and creativity and, and coding and some other concept. So we're not just so narrow focused on one subject, but we can continue to deliver these types of skill sets. Yeah. yeah, I would say I agree. I think at the classroom level, that's a similarity. Educators understand that need to inspire a love of learning, not just teach to whatever tests or standards they have in their region. Um, and then at the higher level, Department of Education or Ministry level, um, the big difference I would say is that uh, internationally we're dealing with, it's usually more straightforward. It's nationalized education in many cases. It's actually more challenging here in the United States where it's state by state or actually district by district where their initiatives when it comes to STEM and now STEAM um, can be really different. So that's fascinating. That's interesting. You yeah. know, and, and Nader, I know one of the things you mentioned, we were having a conversation before we came on air was that, you know, you've been a serial entrepreneur, you've done this for a while, you've been involved in, in starting companies, but you wanted to do something now that may change impact. Uh, obviously having kids, uh, you know, has a big, uh, uh, push on that. Talk to me a little bit though, about wanting to start this and, and the fears and the risks. Cause you know, any new business is, is always, you know, a guess and, and, and in education, as you guys have mentioned here in the States, it can be especially interesting, you know, why this space, why go in this direction? Well, uh, to your point, like, you know, when this is, this was an, a, a time in my journey where I really wanted to focus on social impact. And when you have kids, you, you start to kind of think about your own mortality and transcending and all of that uh, good stuff. And for me, um, seeing, when I looked at also the in tech technology and where it's actually going and how fast it is being adopted at a, at a really a global scale in every industry, I felt like that was an area that I knew a little bit about from my, from my previous uh, 
startups and my previous businesses, I'm trying to kind of give back and trying to, to figure out a way to um, prepare kids uh, for a life where technology and robotics will be ubiquitous um, became something that I want, I, I, I became interested in and passionate in. And um, the best way to do that is to start to look at education. And when I started to do a little deeper dive in, in education, I saw how I, I would say um, slow to adopt this, this movement uh, as the rest of the industries. Because you know, when you talk about business and big, big business, they immediately look at what is going to make them more efficient and start to incorporate it because it's all about the bottom line. In education, it doesn't really kind of follow that, those same patterns. So, you know, when you're, when you're looking at, I would say, you know, a lot of businesses were, are embracing exponential times, but education was still kind of stuck in linear times. And how do we get education to kind of get a little bit on, on, this, uh, on this track? And that became one of my, of my driving forces. And I, we thought that robotics were something that can get kids engaged because uh, there's a visual component to it. There's, they, they, they see immediate responses from a robot um, that if that can become a vehicle to get them to be engaged in education and well, engage in just using the robot. And at the same time, we're introducing them to future ready skills then that would be something that uh, would kind of check a lot of boxes for us. I love that. I love that. And and Adrian, let me ask you something, because you mentioned before kind of the idea of social media um, and from a marketing perspective, right? We know, you know, I always say uh, selling an education is very unique, right? Because you're, you're, you're selling, you know, and you guys mentioned how teacher focus, you're really selling to the teachers, the students are the users. And the buyers are, you know, what I call the grandparents. It's like, you know, the principals, right? So it's like the grandkid wants something to tell the parent, you tell the grandparent. It, it needs to go through this kind of telephone thing. But then you mentioned the, the ownership teachers are really taking on social media of sharing the lesson plans and doing all these things. How have you guys leveraged social media to, to create more awareness with your product? And what, you know, I see you guys are on Pinterest, you're on Instagram. You know, what role has social media played in, in both the marketing of your product and the engagement of your current customers? Yeah, I mean, social has been huge for us. We have a community, a relatively large community of 100,000 followers across our platforms, but they're hyper engaged. So we have people sharing content with hashtag Ozavat on a daily basis, almost hourly, we can be tracking what they're doing. Um, and so the way we've learned to leverage that is just by reaching out to those people, engaging with them, asking about their lesson and how the students enjoyed it, um, but also getting permission to share that content on our own channels. Um, so that turns into not simply retweeting something, but actually contacting that educator, spotlighting her, for example, as the next educator of the month on our blog and social channels. Um, we've also now started doing on YouTube a lesson reaction series where when we see really great lesson content, like recently a teacher did May the 4th day um, with Ozabots at her school. And so we had to get our staff together and capture their reactions to that. Um, so that's something we've been doing with their lesson content, just really finding opportunities to spotlight and celebrate what they're doing, not so much just talking about ourselves and our brand, if that makes sense. No, no, yeah, definitely, 100%. I love that. And, you know, one of the things that, that you know, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of teachers that come from the classroom and, you know, 
almost accidentally started something or a business or became a side hustle. And then they developed these great curriculums or, or they wanted to leave or, or they started creating great content and great lessons with a product like yours on YouTube or Pinterest and gained followers and able to go do that full time. You know, what advice would you guys give to a teacher that's sitting in the classroom and says, Hey, you know, I think I want to, you know, maybe, you know, I've been teaching now, maybe, you know, for a long time, I'm ready to, to go to the next thing. And I want to impact a larger audience to become an entrepreneur and, and, you know, enter either the ed tech space or, or the education market selling a product. What advice would you give to that budding teacher entrepreneur? Um, so I would give advice on kind of ultimately on, on starting a business. It's a couple of key factors is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like build your, have a very structured plan, know the plan, work the, work the plan after you develop the plan. Um, and then make sure you align your yourself with amazing uh, uh, teachers, influencers, uh, role models. Those are the, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And make sure you kind of align yourself uh, with mentors. So, you know, having a very clear, it's like when I look at businesses, I always look at uh, making sure I'm addressing a need of some sort. Do not get into something that is that's a me too product because then you get caught up in in a price war or in um, who's got a better marketing budget, who's got a better outreach budget. But if you're addressing a need, and in the in the education space, there's a lot of need. Just making sure you're you're hyper focused on on staying uh, true to that. I love that. And Adriana, from a marketing side, you know how to. You know, what, do you, what advice do you give that maybe someone starting out, I can't afford to hire a marketing company, but I want to get my product out there. I want to engage teachers in some of those you're doing. What, you know, how do you, how do you bootstrap this thing? Um, I think it goes back to what we've been talking about in terms of sharing what you're doing on social media. So maybe starting while you're still in the classroom. Um, if you're an innovative educator, share that content. Treat Twitter like your portfolio um, because there are brands and potential future partners like ourselves out there who are really listening to the community and looking for opportunities to partner. So that might be a good way to get started. Um, that's how we find a lot of educators who become part of our certified educator program that we run. Um, and many of them, I think, have futures where they're exploring their own ed tech entrepreneurship journeys. So I think it's a great way to start just by sharing because if you're already thinking that way, you're probably an educator who approaches curriculum in a really innovative, early adopter kind of way. So just let people know what you're working on. I love it. I love it. And, you know, guys, I, I can't thank you enough for being on. This has been really a great conversation and so neat. And we're going to do, this is what I'm going to call a back to the future episode. So we're going to have a little bit of to be continued here. Well, what's going to happen, guys, is if you're listening on the start down, if you're listening to us on Spotify or, or Apple iTunes, uh, and you're listening to the audio portion of this, um, please head over to my social media, mikeficera.com, uh, and you'll see links to all my social media pages. Uh, we're going to do a demo, and you guys are going to show us how the product works. Um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to put this in the audio portion, uh, but we will have this on my social media channel. So please go there, check this out, because, uh, guys, I, can't, I, I really can't wait to see this demo. I'm super excited to, to, to see this in action. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode of The Start Down. Once again, I'm your host, Mike Vicara. Make sure you visit me at MikeVicara.com, where you will see links to all my social media, where I'm bringing content like this every day on how you can grow your business and your personal brand. Once again, new episodes dropping every Tuesday, so make sure that you guys like, subscribe, and share the podcast so that you can keep up with what's going on. Once again, appreciate you guys tuning in. I will see you on the next episode of The Start Down.